Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence, and by Dow Automotive Systems, innovations for clean powertrain solutions. This is AutoLine Daily for March 24, 2011, and now the news. The after effects of the Japanese earthquake are spreading. Toyota says production will be disrupted in North America. However, it did not say which plants will be affected or for how long or when. Nissan CEO Carlos Ghosn says about 40 suppliers in Japan are still facing production shortages and called the situation serious and difficult to evaluate. He says it will take until mid-April before two plants are able to resume major production. Some Japanese suppliers are considering moving production to China if things don't improve. Honda is extending production shutdowns at two plants in Japan until early April. The company also says it will take several months for its R&D center in Japan to get back online and will move those operations elsewhere in the meantime. Well, here's all the proof you need to see that Detroit's automakers are recovering and recovering quickly. GM will bring back 2,000 laid off workers by September. These were the last workers on layoff, which means when GM hires new workers, it can bring them in at a lower wage. And Chrysler says it's running out of space at its headquarters in Auburn Hills, Michigan. The giant facility is designed to hold about 11,000 employees, and right now, the company has close to 10,800 of them in the building. Chrysler wants to move more service operations out of its headquarters and is trying to keep vital functions within. And Bloomberg reports that the Detroit Three are hiring engineers so fast, they're having trouble finding them. So they're even looking to Silicon Valley to hire workers. The number of technology job openings has doubled in Detroit since last year, making it the fastest growing region in the country. And speaking of Detroit and jobs, the UAW is raising an army of activists to organize foreign transplants. According to the Detroit News, the union has created something called the Global Organizing Institute to help recruit and train protesters. And here's where things get interesting. The UAW is signing up activists in countries like China, Japan, Brazil, and India. The idea is to have them wave banners, protest at dealerships, and pass out leaflets, generally make a ruckus to put pressure on companies to agree to the union's terms. The global scope of this strategy is truly unprecedented for the UAW. It's also forming alliances with other labor organizations like IG Metall in Germany, as well as the Japan Auto Workers Union. You know, this strategy could work. Companies have never faced worldwide pressure from unions before. As for the UAW's first foreign target, no one's talking, so your guess is as good as mine. It's not unusual for suppliers to build truck frames for automakers, but it's very strange for them to provide complete chassis assemblies. Autoblog reports this is exactly what's happening between Saab and ZF. The German transmission maker is building a plant in Trollhot in Sweden, near the automaker's home factory, to put together front subframes and complete rear suspension assemblies. The parts are thought to be for the next generation, 9-3. And now, a follow-up on last week's automotive ethics story that occurred here in Detroit, but reverberated across the country. Scott Burgess, the car critic who resigned from the Detroit News when the newspaper edited out some of his critiques of the Chrysler 200 after an advertiser complained, 
is going back to the news. Talking with Autoline Daily last night, Burgess said that he and the news resolved their differences and that he would return as the paper's auto critic next week. However, in an ironic twist, Mr. Burgess does not technically restart at the news until Monday afternoon because that morning he speaks to a college journalism class on the topic of ethics. And by the way, Scott will be here hosting Autoline Daily when I'm out of town next month, so it'll be interesting to see if he comes equipped with a commentary. Coming up next, some of my thoughts on the new Hyundai Equus. Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. The Hyundai Equus has got to be the strangest new car launch that I've ever been to in my career. Hyundai's not bringing out this car because they expect to sell tens of thousands of them in the American market. They're not looking for this car to boost their market share or even to bring in mountains of profits for the company. No, Hyundai's bringing out this car because they want it to change people's opinion of what the Hyundai brand is all about. But you know something? It might be too late. Until just a couple of years ago, the company wasn't really on anyone's radar. But today, it has serious momentum in North America. Its products like the Genesis, Elantra, and Sonata are all super solid offerings, and they're the vehicles that paved the way for Hyundai to bring the Equus to the U.S. Still, this car is a good example of what the company's capable of. Slide behind the wheel and you're greeted by soft leather on the seats and dashboard. Plus, it offers nearly every luxury amenity you can think of. Things like massaging seats, adjustable suspension, iPod connectivity, and more. You name it, the Equus probably has it. If the front seats are nice, the rear ones are thrones. They're more adjustable than a living room recliner. Plus, the legroom can put private jets to shame. And that's really what this car is all about. It's designed for wealthy buyers to get chauffeured around in. That's not to say it's an unenjoyable drive, because it's not. It's a very competent luxury car. Yeah, I just called a Hyundai a luxury car. The Equus is big, it's heavy, and it's super refined. Going down the road, it's as quiet as anything in its class, and the body feels like it was carved from a solid chunk of steel. A 4.6-liter V8 is tasked with moving all that mass. It turns out a very respectable 385 horsepower on premium fuel with 333 pound-feet of torque. A silky smooth ZF six-speed automatic transmission sends that oomph to the rear wheels. Getting the Equus to America likely took a huge push. I suspect the Koreans were desperate to prove that they could compete with the best in the world, and therein lies the problem. They rushed it. As I mentioned before, the exterior design is the car's biggest letdown. It just doesn't do it justice. You pull up to the country club driving this thing, and no one's gonna notice. Most people will probably think it's an old Mercedes or an old Lexus. Even so, overall, this is a pretty good car, so I cannot wait to see what the upcoming version will be like. Hey, don't forget to tune in to AutoLine After Hours. Tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, our guest will be Ken Lingenfelter, and journalist Jim McCraw will also stop by. Join me and the auto extremist Peter DeLorenzo for the best insider news in the business. 
And that's today's report on the top news in the global automotive industry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.